an anecdotal story. Uh, last night, housemate decided to, he's on a Mission Impossible spree, mm. which I've never been on because they're up to like number eight now. But um, he was watching Ghost Protocol, and, yeah. which is, I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't is, seen it. Is that the fourth one or the fifth one? Honestly, it could be the 12th. Is Henry Cavill in it? No. No, so it's, yeah, it's the fourth one then, I think. It's yep. got um the guy who plays bow and arrow dude in Avengers. Yeah, oh, Jeremy Renner. Yep. Yeah, 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 another one. And um, Tom Cruise is wearing like a hoodie in the movie poster, looking like some weird ninja. Yeah, that sounds yeah, about yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, we're watching it, and it's just like they've got this big whole Dubois scene, um, yeah. and the big action climax of it is he's like climbing outside because he's got to do something in the sandstorm thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sadly, I know it. <laughs> anyway, the thing that happened before that, which like they're in the car, they've had this big like, oh my God, I can't believe we got out of it. Um, oh, did that just go out of that? Not still there. Um, they go, they do like, oh, we can't believe we got out of it. And then suddenly they're like, oh, looks like I'm going to have to follow the guys to Dubai. And then out of nowhere, there's like this big, and you're just like, oh, well, I think they're traveling now. It's like the traveling montage. <laughs> and then we went through on YouTube, all this shit where it's just like anytime there's anybody in any film that's suddenly in Saudi Arabia or Persia or yeah. whatever. Because we also he was watching Spartacus before, uh, yeah. last night as well, which is, you know, a pretty cheaply done TV show. Same yeah. thing. It's just like, oh, he's in Spartaca. And then uh, where is he now? And then suddenly there's a... Oh, the same like... <laughs> But the girls singing, it's just like, why do they have to do that? <laughs> like every time they just go straight to it. Just like, are we not, can we not see that that's where they are? Yeah. It's the same in like every single terrorism film that takes place in some Middle Eastern country or has Middle Eastern protagonists. You know how the opening credits, it's always real like here they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's always like a slow-mo of like a child playing soccer in Iraq Right before it, sort of an IED goes off on a road. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> anyway, so the whole day, I'd just be walking around going, oh, so what are you going to do on the weekend? Just like, I'm going to Dubai. Oh, you're going to Dubai. I am actually. <laughs> anyway, that was my dumb anecdote of the day. <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. I'm all in. It's uh, like, I can actually remember being. At the movies with a mate of mine. And I think we were seeing, might have been either The Kingdom or Kingdom of Heaven. Oh. The Kingdom, Jamie Foxx, Kingdom of Heaven with Orlando Bloom. Yep. And the opening credits start with the same thing, like your kind of cliche, like morning prayer, Arabic undertoned. I mean, it sounds terrible. It could just be regular pop music, but <laughs> it appears to be kind of traditional cultural music. And we hear that in the opening credits and he just turns to me and he goes, oh, with that music, you know there's going to be bloodshed in this film. <laughs> and the whole eight of us just burst out laughing in this cinema and this lady two rows in front turns and goes, excuse me, can you not be so disrespectful? The movie hasn't even started. <laughs> like, it's like, what would they play that song? Yeah. And then within the first like 48 seconds of the film, there was an explosion and someone had died. And my mate just goes to her, tell the lady, bloodshed, <laughs> music. You know it's coming. <laughs> Scoreboard one. Yeah. <laughs> it's so uh, terrible. American cinema, they love their cliches. And they dub- they also double down on it too, which is another film trope which I picked up on. Yeah. Whenever you show traveling, the next trick is to have you have like the big you have the plane mm-hmm. in the background 
and then everyone's like, oh, and they've traveled. But then instantly pan to the protagonists yeah. uh, in frame. So that's not even their plane. Yeah. You've just shown a plane yeah. in the background. It's like, why even show that plane? Yeah. Just like, we know they're somewhere different. Yeah. We don't need to see it. Yeah. Anyway, that's my little bitch of the day. My favorite is how every CIA agent travels in like a high quality luxury Learjet and is always picked up by a Cadillac Escalade no matter what country they've landed in. It's always a black Escalade. What is it? Suburban kind of thing. Like if you made the, if you made it that high in the ranks, you're like you're not going anything less than that. Yeah, and they're so bad they can't come up with any other bad guys than Russians or Middle Eastern terrorists. Funnily enough, bad guys in Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Yeah, zero Russians. Yeah, they can't come up with anything else. If you're lucky, you might get a Colombian drug lord or a Mexican cartel guy, but they're generally a sort of drug cartel orientated film. So that's to be expected. But in terms of like, there's a threat to America, there's something happening in the world. It's never anyone else. They really went away from Germany. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, you can only make 496,000 Holocaust films before you're kind of running out of like a different lane. Yeah, but like, I get it. But you would have thought there would have been some kind of backlash. I mean... Let's be fair. There's probably not a whole lot of films to make where the German guys real pissed off about the fact that they killed Hitler. Like, it's a, there's only yeah. one path to go down, and you, you fair, you probably can't go down it. Yeah, but it must be weird being a German and seeing those films come out all the time. You'd feel awful, and then at the same time, you can't do anything about it. It's a reality. Mm. But there's so much more shit. Sorry, let me rephrase that. So many other awful atrocities have happened, but they don't get made on the cinematic scope. I feel like the Nazis came along and they're like the ultimate bad guys. They're in all black. Other movies have kind of like pop culture movies throughout the years have almost like knocked off their uniforms and, you know, like the, well, the, um, oh my gosh, I'm, sorry, the Empire oh, in yeah. Star Wars. Like that their is, outfits are shamelessly. <laughs> that's them. Yeah. They're the SS. I can't believe I nearly forgot that. I could have been <laughs> lost my Star Wars membership card. <laughs> a late night brain fart. Um, I, I'm waiting for the day that comes when there's like, there's been a chemical explosion in the New York subway. Who did it? We think it was the Algerians or the Congolese <laughs> or the, the Indonesians. <laughs> no. It's always a Yuri or an Ishmael. <laughs> always. Yeah. Oh, dear. All right. Anyway, that was our little test run of how we can talk about other shit. <laughs> it's technically a sports podcast, but not. I even got our cue in. Yeah. I haven't got it in. So, we wanted to cover off the biggest elephant in the room. The AFL has returned post-COVID, post-Rona, though even though it's still ongoing. So, the AFL's returned during the tail end of Rona, maybe. Have they actually referenced Corona on TV in the AFL? No, they always say COVID-19, if I've ever heard it. I've never heard them go, blah, 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 Corona this, ongoing. It's always, it's like buried. Why do we choose between either one? I know COVID-19 this- sounds more scientific. Yeah. Coronavirus sounds like a dance song that Pitbull could have brought out eight years ago. Fair enough. Do the Rona. 
<laughs> that has nothing to do with that. I was just like, why do we suddenly some people like write as COVID nineteen, other people write as corona. It's like you get to chop and change between the two. Even the corona virus would have been a good hit for people because it is a worldwide virus. Yeah. Just like he is Mr. Worldwide. Anyway. Um so your feelings in the AFL return? Uh to be honest, minimal. Mm. Uh, I was kind of shocked where I for the most part kind of forgot about it. Yeah. Um and I spent all Saturday, watched all the games in the afternoon yeah. and the start of the ones in the evening. Yeah. Um, which was, it was like, it was enjoyable, but it really just missed a hell of a lot. That's mm. what I thought. I mean, I know there's a lot of other people who were probably just champing at it to watch Innocent. Yeah. But it just, you know, I wasn't really racing to get out there and, yeah. uh, and watch anything. And then the bits that I did just weren't really enthralling. Yeah. You used the word lukewarm earlier. Yeah, I mean, 100%. It's, it's, you know, you're just sitting there watching it going, oh, you know, and it kind of feels dumb, but the supporters not being there is more than you think. Mm. But um, I found it, uh, maybe it's because of all the shit that's going on in the world. So, like, subconsciously we all feel a bit guilty that, you know, like we feel guilty getting into it because there's so much bad stuff happening around the world. Because I look back on the last few years and every time it gets to that Thursday afternoon when Richmond and Carlton are about to play, even though I can't stand both clubs, one for because I think they're flogs and the other because they do my head in on just how shit they've been for so long. Um, you can all figure that out at home. <laughs> <laughs> that was Richmond. Yeah, but, you, yeah, but you, you sit there with that footies back, can't wait. Even if you don't, you know, like I'll never watch their games later in the year, but I'll watch at least the first quarter to half time. All of these games came and I just didn't give a shit. Yeah. Well, well, it was last year. We went to one of the early games, but most of our evening was spent. We went and had a couple of pints beforehand. Yeah. Then rolled in, had a couple more beers. Yeah. It, it was a Richmond. Was it Richmond Carlton? It was definitely a Richmond game. Yeah. And I can't remember. Then <laughs> was we rolled Richmond Essendon. No, nah, I would have been more pumped up and yeah, more yeah, shattered. It would have been in your black and red nonsense. <laughs> uh, I believe I did actually go to the Richmond game as well, uh, and we got pumped. But um, it was more just about how how important it is in the game. You know, going it's the the spectacle of physically going to the game with your mates. Yeah. Or hearing the crowd. Yeah. Um, that's you know. Sport's sport and it's still there, but it's underpinned by how much it is about just hanging out with friends and yeah. and doing something different and talking about it or or getting out of the house. Yeah. The novelty factor of the crowd sounds and then the emptiness, it all just, it's not conducive to watching it alone. Well, there's no tension. Yeah. Yeah, no tension at all. Like something bad happens, nothing. Like a great game and, you know, a team's down by three goals or four goals and you think they're, they're, no, they're no chance of coming back and they kick that sneaky goal. Yeah. And the team who's up there just like, you know, well, well, hang on, well, maybe there's a little bit in this. And a lot of it's, you know, you hear the murmuring in the crowd, you know, mm. oh, shit, oh, yeah, yeah. and there's like, oh, yeah, the, the poor maths, you can see the poor math guys in the crowd going, oh, hang on, if we kick three goals at one point in the next, we're in this, yeah. there's, there's a chance. Yeah. And whereas without that, it's just the players going, oh, if we just stick to it, like they can they can relax a little bit into it. Yeah. 
I think no matter what the AFL does, it's just going to look like you're watching a scratch match. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, you know, obviously I watched Frio Brisbane, so I felt like that was even more of a notch down. It was an afternoon game at the Gabba or Metricon, I can't remember. It was the Gabba. Clearly the AFL had either, either through financial difficulty not brought all the cameras and the A-team or just put all the work experience kids on because they thought no one cared about the game. The camera was off-centre for the main broadcast one, so that was weird in itself because then it felt like you're watching like amateur club footy on Facebook. You know, like you see those clips of like biggest hits in club footy and the camera's like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) diagonally facing the centre of the ground, but you don't care. So that threw me. The crowd sound, they only played when Brisbane touched the footy. So it's that weird silence. Then if Frio kicked to a Brisbane guy who marked, you then heard this weird forced crowd sound, which I'm not even convinced Brisbane would get that kind of roar at their home games anyway. Wait, so just to interject, so it's not the broadcasters controlling the crowd. Is it the ground controlling the crowd? That's a good question. I don't actually know. Surely it's the AFL doing it. I can just see some weird kids sitting with a like, almost like a, one of those fucking DJ like drum machines just hitting his little sample button. Yeah, because either way I pictured someone sitting there going, ooh, yeah. grab, like, yeah. you know. Or goal, like, and yeah, and, you know, they you could sort of you could sort of see them trying to do that, yeah. But it just it's manufactured. I almost want it to go like basketball styles, where just have fucking music playing the whole time during the game. You know, like the NBA, they'll be playing some tunes as they like coming down the court. Just leave a DJ spinning for the whole game, like at a gym. Yeah, just drown out the weirdness. I mean, is like why not throw the dart, see what happens? Yeah. But, yeah, to back to the first point, I don't think I've ever felt so five minutes into a Fremantle game and going, I actually can't be bothered watching this. It's the first time I've ever felt like that that wasn't driven by we're down by 18 goals and that player that we traded all of our draft picks for is playing shit out. That is your week one anyway, but... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, last year when we smacked the kangaroos by like 150 points and then I thought, you know what, Ross Lyon, we've finally figured out how to have a high-scoring team. <laughs> nope. Next week, 40 points. <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> I think this is our time. I think we're playing like high-intensity forward-orientated football. Oh, no, look at that. There's 14 guys in our back line again next week. <laughs> Do you think another weird thing about it too is that if, like not that we really want to go too deep into COVID corona world, but everyone's kind of adjusted to this new lifestyle for the time being. So now you you, you kind of make your peace with it where at the start you're like, oh, geez, what are you going to do with yourself? Like, oh my God. But now everyone's pretty kind of in the flow of how this is going. Whereas if AFL was able to make the AFL happen, I know they can't, but just yeah. if it was six weeks ago when everyone was in that peak, high tension, oh, I'm working from home, oh, I think if AFL had been able to make that work then, I think it would have been gangbusters. Yeah. Well, it almost seems redundant now, the restrictions. Like, let's have shorter quarters to stop the prevention of COVID. I, I don't get it. Yeah, you, uh, I, don't, I think the only, only lay you can put on that is they're trying to protect the players 
who are out of shape. Who are out of shape. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the other thing. By the second quarter, everyone was gassed. Mm. And it was so obvious. I was like, this is club footy. The camera's not in the centre and everyone's gassed in the second quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Tap me in, I'm a chance. Yeah, exactly. Again, with my, with my uh, physical, uh, you know, appearance, I'm a shot. <laughs> I'm dangerous in the forward pocket in this format of footy. Um, I reckon the other thing, um, well, the laughable thing that I look at is the whole, like, you can't shake hands to prevent the spread, but it's like to tackle someone. I could, it's the dumbest thing. I could walk up to you and knock the ball out of your hands by hitting your hand. Yeah. But don't you dare like high five me or anything afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I get it. Like I can see like they've got that. They've got a social responsibility to kind of give an air that they're doing the exact right thing. Mm. But, the average IQ, below IQ person can clearly see through that. Yeah. Yeah. The average, like, angry, disillusioned AFL fan that's very out of shape and yells ball at every single tackle is smart enough to go, why are they not shaking hands when they're tackling blokes? <laughs> I did. I'd, it was early days, but I, think, I actually think they should bring it in. Just one... One supporter from each club sits at other end of the footy ground with a mic. Yeah. And they're and but they're not allowed to just talk, but they're the ones yelling at, you know, ball! <laughs> and, like, oh! and they can hear each other and that's it. Well, that's the other thing. So then you've got like some games like the showdown where they had was it two thousand fans. I think Queensland they've said they can have two hundred or two thousand. Why wouldn't that like instead of having those stupid cardboard cutouts, which Looked ridiculous because our cameras are so far away. It's different to the NRL where you couldn't really see them anyway. Yeah. There's clearly just like flamingos in a front yard. Why wouldn't you have a little pocket of like 50 rabid fans socially distanced? Because the novelty of that would be hilarious. Or even five. Just five people going nuts. That would make everyone watching at least put a smile on their face instead of going, it's a bit weird. And the other thing is, see, you know that the, you know that the fans that they've got in there, they're the super socially responsible ones. Yeah. Fo- football is built off idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the game would die if it wasn't for fuckwits like, and flogs. Yeah. It is like you need me to go there, and like I'm, I'm pretty tame, but I've been known to hurl abuse because it, it's funny. Yeah, but you like it's built off people having way too many jars and sitting there and yelling. It calls it really deep down. They know are not yeah. correct and trying to sway the umpire. And that's the other thing. There's no umpire sway. Like none, none. Like the umpires would be loving themselves sick. They yeah. don't have to make any judgment call where 60,000 people in the crowd have called something and they're like, yeah, oh, geez, that's a bit of a call. I wonder if it weirdly has eradicated home ground advantage because the free kick count is not influenced for those little... You'd love to know the percentage. I mean, you'd never be able to measure it, but how many free kicks are actually paid to the home team because of it? I can tell you. Geelong get all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Geelong get all of them. And they do do the classic stat fix correction in the fourth quarter once the game's over. Yeah. They're getting blown out by 40 to three in the free kicks and then suddenly suddenly they even it up and give the other position 20 more. It's like they should do crucial free kicks, actually. That's one thing I'd love 
champion like, data. Get champion, I want on crucial free kicks, like yeah. you know, that are directly related to moments in the game that are tight because they're the good. ones that actually matter. Yeah, or well, free kicks paid where within two possessions after it resulted in a goal. Yeah, or, that would be fascinating. Or those, yeah, the swing goal. You know, they're on a charge, and then there's that. There's always that. Oh. Well, he went up in the ruck too early, and you're like, "What are you talking about?" Oh, I, the AFL would seal that shit like FBI and CIA <laughs> records from the sixties. <laughs> like, no, nah, it's sealed for fifty years. What happened in that game? Yeah, onto something. Look, I know what data I want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so on that lukewarm note, let's change the pace. I want to talk to you about crossover athletes. So, what we're going to do here in this show is. Week by week, we're going to find an interesting way to analyze sports people from today, past, present, future. So what I want you to do is have a think or tell me some of the athletes who you think could have played a different sport and not just gotten by, but been very good at it. So ultimate crossover athletes. But here's the catch. You can't do the cliche easy ones. So no LeBron. It's too easy. Uh, I'm going to go with Shmishman James. <laughs> <laughs> An obscure Slovakian basketball player from the 70s. Uh, look, he's six foot ten. He's a bit like a brick shit out. <laughs> yeah. Can't go Zion Williamson in, you know, wrestling. <laughs> uh, look, I've got a few ideas. I think, I think the big stipulations for this are, I think, mental. I think that there's that brain smarts and that, that yeah. sports smarts, which I think, you know, it's there's a lot of athletes that are just beasts yeah there's a few like within every sporting code that are just better because of their size like mm-hmm. that's why the bronze like so good at this kind of thing like yeah you, you could put him in anything yeah um but that's also kind of boring yeah so my first pick is probably like my man the fed express i think i could genuinely like i'd watch him play golf yeah um i mean i love both sports yeah um i'm average at both but that's okay. <laughs> but and look, ten, to be fair, tennis and golf they're they're very similar. Yeah. Like there's a lot of your your solo man out there in in all woman, uh, all person. Uh, a big battle. It's you versus the course. A lot in golf, and there's that hand eye coordination, which mm. you can just picture Federer just buckling down and spending a million hours uh, training that golf swing. Yeah, and. Just being meticulous and just that fear that he had on the on the tennis court, just transitioning over perfectly to golf. Yeah, he's um, and he's got that like emotionless style about him that I think would translate. Like Nadal is a robot, but he's got too much passion. Nadal couldn't play golf; it'd yeah, break him. Yeah, Rafa wouldn't. I mean, it w- I would love to watch Rafa playing golf because you could <laughs> yeah. just pitch him, just like you know, bullying his way up to the green as he just like yeah. like absolutely like hammers a putt in from like a foot end oh! yeah <laughs> he's got his like one sleeve cut off just so he can show the like excessively <laughs> grown bicep <laughs> he just putts with one arm like he's sort of you know just ice hockey styles away my golf swing's been described by him in the past <laughs> he's just all bottom hand just <laughs> but That's, you, yeah but you could picture like raf i mean federer's got that r- almost regal quality when you were like there's no greater sport image in tennis, even in a lot of sports actually, of Federer when he's in his prime playing at Wimbledon and you're just like, like this guy is royalty. Like there's yeah. something about him walking on the grass courts. Yep. And you're just like, this. there's something about this. 
yeah. you know, the Queen and her gang are all out there, and you're like, those guys have got nothing on the Fed Express. You know, he's you know after the game he puts on a vest, and everyone's like, oh, geez, that guy, look at him. <laughs> um, he's the only guy in the world we give a pass to for wearing like a vest or a buffy vest. Yeah, <laughs> bought, but you could see him doing that on a golf course, and just just people just going, wow, like incredible. Yeah. A tiger's probably got more flair, like you know, and yeah, you know, he's he's a bit more emotional. But you could just you could just picture people going to watch uh, Fed Express out there. But even Tiger, like Tiger, still has that laser. His eyes, Federer, mm. like despite his gentle, you know, like you could use the babysitting analogy. Would you trust Roger Federer to be a babysitter? Yeah, I'd have no issue with it. He's just got that like gentle face, but there's something in the eyes. Tiger has the eyes too. Yeah, it's that. And like for both of them, it's like when they're down, like Federer's down or it's especially when they're down, when they're up there, just like they're in cruise control. Yeah. But then, you know, 30, 40 on that break point and the camera zooms right in on FedEx's face. And he's got that, he's that little squint and you're like, oh, he's going to do something great. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is yet. Yeah. But I'm going to watch. You, and yeah. Tiger does that in the golf course. It's like, this ball's in the stupidest spot. Like you shouldn't, I don't know how hard he fucked up to be here. Yeah. And you're just like. Oh, he's got a line. No. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, hit the nail on the head. Who's your choice? Who are you going for? So we touched on this briefly. I've got two, but I'll start with my first one. My man, one of my most favorite basketballers of all time, Russell Westbrook. And the sport that I could see him doing is either boxing or the UFC. Basically something where you just got to hurt someone <laughs> to win. <laughs> like he could play rugby league or union. Do you know what I mean? Like I could see him playing rugby league and just annihilating someone and leaving corpses. But for me, him in the UFC, he's not heavy. He's got that slight build. He's got that animal streak in him and he does not give a fuck. He just wants to tomahawk on people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and for me, that would be the equivalent of that would be his left or right hand. He'd have this sort of, I mean, Conor McGregor's famous because of his left. I could see Westbrook having the same thing where he's just waiting to unload a missile and it hits people. And then his celebrations post-knockout would be so good. You could sell him out for that. Yeah. That's like Nike ads for you right there. (laughs) Flexing, (laughs) screaming at the sky and then just sort of, out of focus in the distance is just a body just laid out on the canvas with three medical people, the Nevada Athletic Commission doctor sitting there just trying to stem the bleeding. Like, And then in the interview, you heard him pretty bad. I don't give a fuck. Like, just straight out. Doesn't care. Um, something about Westbrook that I love is no matter what the occasion is, his intensity is insane. So he's the opposite of Federer. Yeah, you he's know a- exactly what he's thinking. Yeah. Which is... I will pile drive whatever this is through the center to, of the earth. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how yet. Well, he's got an idea. Yeah. With a flying elbow. Yeah. Uh, but gee, like just watching him go full court on basketball, like in the UFC, in the octagon, you just, again, you just see him like, like, all right, like you do it before the round starts. Yeah. Oh, it'd be his walkout. Like you put yourself, imagine being a guy fighting him and you see him coming for his walkout. You're watching the Jumbotron, you know, the UFC, they stand with the camera guys like two metres in front of the fighter, follows him out. You're watching that footage of him coming out of the dressing room. That's like some WWE Undertaker shit where you just know 
it's over. Yeah. Actually, not Undertaker. Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Undertaker's reserved <laughs> and dark. Wait, Stone right. Cold's just coming out hot. <laughs> yeah, the Undertaker's the, you know, he's, he's the more reserved. Like he's, He never rocks up on time. He's always late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but he's coming to bring a whooping. Whereas Stone Cold, like Westbrook would be saying, the music hits and he comes out and he's just itching to hurt you. <laughs> you feel like he'd be the only guy in UFC history to beat his own walkout song. <laughs> like he'd be in the octagon, and they're like, "Ah, oh, excuse me, Ross, you, you you hit too early." He's like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> <laughs> Bring him out, line him up. <laughs> yeah, be the only guy that fights, knocks a dude out, challenges the next guy that's in the crowd, <laughs> but expects him to get up, take his kid off, and come in the ring right there. He'd be the only guy to ever do that, I reckon. Where it's not even just that kind of try hard. I challenge you. I want you. Like he genuinely wants you to get up and come into the ring. Like a picture, like a weird montage, like at the start of Happy Gilmore, which is like Russell Russell Brickley's like Doco is just like. That's what turns out. I'm the only guy to challenge a guy out of the ring to a fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only guy to ever take off my skate and try to stab somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. The only guy to ever show to a UFC fight with a knife and try to stab somebody. <laughs> and not even before the fight, like before the fight, as he walks out, he sees him in the crowd and just goes for a little prison style shank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, all right. How about you? You got someone else for me? I did just think of another one. Yeah. Because I like it. I don't want to delve too much into it because it's kind of the same, but it is it's Johnny Mac to golf again. I, won't, I don't want to go too much on it just because, but I just thought of it then because it was, I just think it'd be funny because I just picture Johnny Mac playing golf being. Well, that's Happy Gilmore. <laughs> he, you, would, you would end up with a Happy Gilmore-like persona. Oh, yeah. I didn't really think of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on from John Mac, but no. that would be funny. No, that'd be amazing. Like, I'd want to see him play in a celebrity pro-am. So he'd go, like, Bob Barker styles and just snap on his opponent. I could just picture him, like, out, like punching out greenskeepers and stuff, like, cutting the green too short. Yeah, just imagine how many clubs he'd go through and trees. The tree hacking would be off the chain. Him and John Daly in the same group Oof. would have watched that. I would love, like, can you imagine going on a night out with those two in the 90s? Like peak John Daly before the heart problems and cholesterol. <laughs> but like... What was like, that, 1950? Yeah. <laughs> like cigarettes and hookers John Daly, not blood pressure and tax issues John Daly. <laughs> and McEnroe post-retirement where he clearly was just doing the rounds, hamming up being John McEnroe. Yeah. Look, I guess outside of John though, I was thinking... There's a few AFL players, but I definitely think Buddy. Buddy's the easy one at the moment to go to. Yeah. I did think of Hurdy. I mean, I'm a yeah. Hurdy man. But then I couldn't really picture what I'd watch him in. Golf. Yeah, tennis. I could see Hurdy being a good tennis player, like Pat Rafter styles. That just methodical, good bloke. Like sort of nothing incredibly obvious about him that's athletically gifted but he's just an athletic freak do you think Hurdy would have played with a long sleeve if he played tennis that's a good question I feel like we were robbed of yeah that's a really good question you'd have to ask Hurdy he has to doesn't he yeah yeah he would 
Side or note, one sleeve, like LeBron style. <laughs> At least one sleeve. Side note, we should yeah. maybe we can bring that up another time, but mm. top five long sleeves clubs. Like, you know, there's a couple of jerseys out there that just lean themselves. I think I was actually thinking about watching Carlton because they've got about 12 guys who've just completely donned it. Yeah. And I mean, it started with, so- I mean, probably before Sauce, but Sauce in long sleeve. He's, yeah. He's straight up. Yeah. Cade Simpson carrying it on. Yeah, but that's like you can just literally name everyone from Carlton. Everyone yeah. from Carlton's got one. I love Cade Simpson. I feel sorry for him. I'll just clarify, he's one of the few Carlton guys that I look at him and go, he's been a Jet for a long time. Does Frio have any long sleeve wearers? <sighs> no. No one that wasn't a spud. Like no one that warrants me digging them up. Um, I'm surprised Fife hasn't. He's got the he's got the weird <laughs> sleeve at them. He's got that you know. He had the bursar on his elbow, so he's wearing like a padded elbow guard. But I think he kind of wore it longer than he should have or needed to. Oh yeah, there's a bit of me time yeah, in that. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> when you want two brown lows, you can. Yeah. It's just, uh, <laughs> when you got a man bun, a rig like that, who's going to really go up to and go, "Dude, do you need to wear that, bro?" Yeah, dude. But yeah, you guys don't have... I don't, can't think of anyone. Jive and Clive Waterhouse wore it a few times. I remember Clive, but then his chest got so big, it just would have been too hard to find one that fit him appropriately. <laughs> he was just all chest, Clive Waterhouse. I don't know if you remember him. He was just all chest, white hair, and like ran on his toes and would either look like the greatest footballer ever or the worst. It's um, good to be at both pinnacles. Yeah. Mel Michael had that too. Remember when he was up in Brisbane? Yeah. They t- had to tell him to stop doing bench press because you're getting too big. Who gets told getting too big? Oh, Stewie Jew, that. Oh, he's getting to stop eating <laughs> and do something because he's getting too big. For once in my life, I've loved it. You know, the gym just is like, sorry, mate. Just just have a week off, mate. Yep. It's not going to happen. Just put it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll come back to that. Yep. Um, but look, I'd watch Buddy in anything. I think Buddy would be. He's the architect who you could archetype who you could see. He's LeBron esque. Yeah. Like fire on pace. Yeah. Um you know, you could see him in the NBA easily. Yeah. And Buddy, um like something I think's underrated with Buddy too is his touch with the footy. Yeah. Like he's athletically ridiculous. And LeBron's athletically ridiculous too, but Buddy just something about him like the touch with the footy, those left foot just Little dribblers, clean, beautiful use of the footy. Like so, again, for a guy his size, he shouldn't be that clean with the footy. Do you think he'd really be a Kevin Durant, like a fitter? Yeah, that's a good. Do you think he'd be just a a bit? I mean, Kevin Durant's a is a beast, but he'd just be a he's a rake. Yeah, but he'd just be a little bit more going on there, but well, just fire. Well, he is our KD. He's unguardable. Yeah, but he I when mean, he's, he's on. There's no one can stop him legally. <laughs> Yeah, LeBron's got that physical like presence, whereas I don't think Buddy quite has that. Like he's strong, but not like ridiculous strong. Yeah, LeBron like Dusty has a bit of LeBron about him. Yeah, that bull coming through the paint. Whereas Buddy is like KD, similar. KD's just got that sort of like gazelle like class where you just know no one can go with you. You could picture but, uh, Dusty being a bit more like a um, a Dame Lillard type. That yeah, like. Thicker, just making shit happen. Yeah. Yeah. Just with the worst haircut in the history of haircuts. 
and the worst neck tat in the history of neck tats. There's a few of those. I don't care if Buddy hears this. <laughs> Sorry, Dusty. <laughs> so who's your next one? Um, so for anyone that knows me well, they know that I'm an absolute ice hockey fiend. I uh, hold numerous ice hockey records and inline hockey records in Australia, all inspired by probably watching the Mighty Ducks and going out there. Um, Not Happy Gilmore? No. I mean, don't get me wrong, loved Happy Gilmore because of the ice hockey bit at the start. You didn't take your skate off? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) But I did. This story is going to sound terrible when I retell it. And I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to. I was about 15 and I was playing for, I can't remember if it was a state team or district team. And in junior inline hockey, you've got to wear helmets with a cage. So you really can't see anyone. And quite often the cages would then have the visors too. So, you know, you kind of, you're restricted in your view. You're wearing a lot of padding and a lot of gear. I scored two goals in the first like five minutes of the first period and I was running hot. Anyway, in this, like the opposition center has just started like jabbing me with a stick, like stick, stick in the guts. Um, every time I'm clearing a puck deep, like pushing into the boards, like just dirty shit. Then started going the stick and the elbows like under the guard. So hit me in the throat. And I can remember like falling down and doing the like, <laughs> like choking. And just kept going, 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 pushing me, pushing me, pushing me. Anyway, I reckon it was about the third period. I've scored a goal and they've got their stick and whacked it kind of like onto my wrist. Um, like just before I shot and my wrist was just thumping and I finally snapped and I've just gone, what the fuck? And they pushed me with two hands and I've just gone, forget it. Drop the glove, which no one does in inline hockey. It's not like ice hockey, what especially 14 year old inline hockey. Yeah. <laughs> I've dropped the gloves and thrown the biggest haymaker uppercut <laughs> that's landed under the cage and they've just gone down like a sack of potatoes and the crowd, like it was their home ground their home rink the crowd's going nuts like screaming at me i'm getting dragged off the referee the teammates are going nuts and there was a part of me that thought this is a real like hectic response to me finally standing up for myself but then i was like oh yeah i threw a punch it's pretty bad you know i'm sitting down in the box and i can hear the glass like banging and i can t- i turn and there's this old guy just screaming at me going you're a fucking dog <laughs> like you know like suburban Australia you're a fucking dog mate I can't believe you fucking did that and I turn like back to him and do the kind of like keep chatting hand motion then he goes I can't believe you did that to my granddaughter you and I'm oh what and (laughs) somehow in all the commotion I didn't notice it was a girl playing for the state or district team (laughs) can't remember and had a shaved head so had you know sorry to say the Katie Lang haircut (laughs) was very butch but i had no idea and so this then it turns out her parents had passed away in a car accident when she was young her granddad raised her somehow she's ended up becoming an inline hockey player and was so good she didn't want to play with the girls so she was playing with the boys and this poor old granddad's watched me just uppercut suck a bunch of her on the rink knocked her to her ass um, and i got an eight-week ban for that incident Shouldn't have been dirty. No. Well, and yeah, technically I'd knocked a girl out playing sport. Not great. 
still was a clean punch, but not great. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh about it. I was very remorseful afterwards, but oh, yeah, it's a bit of a game changer. Yeah, if it had been a guy, I would have had no sympathy at all. I would have told all my mates about it, and then it just I became like almost a laughing stock with my teammates for you know. That's nice of you to be like advocate for equal rights, though, way yeah. early in the piece. Oh, I had no issue with it. I was more just oh fuck, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> and I can remember talking to her the next time we played them and going, "You're like the dirtiest player of." ever played against and she had no shame and same shit played again a year later just owned it just at me all game trying to like provoke me to do it again well everybody the 99 of the other you know other players who've been on it realized early that they you know <laughs> yeah. she'd get away with it because no one was going to do anything back yeah i mean in hindsight i should have known better when they said great goal crystal but <laughs> 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 probably should have cottoned on um, but my point was, originally, ice hockey players, Alexander Ovechkin, ca- captain of the Washington Capitals, won a Stanley Cup a few years ago, probably became more famous for his celebrations that went on for two weeks after winning the Stanley Cup. He's a beast. Most people probably associate ice hockey players as being tough, but he is fast, he's strong. He is one of those guys... Um, I can't think of a lot of sports that are an equivalent, but maybe like a rugby league or an AFL where guys that you can't tackle, he's the same in the ice hockey rink. Guys will hit him at full steam and he doesn't even move. But he's also just so – he's got so much finesse. Yeah, he's soft and skilled, but then his shot is honestly like – it's like Mark Wahlberg's sniper rifle in Shooter. Mm. Like it is just a cock action (laughs) – like without his physicalness, which I know is part of his game, yeah. but if you even if you took that away, he'd still be a f- top five, top ten player of all time, wouldn't he? Mm. Yeah, his shot—it's the best shot I've ever seen. I've watched a lot of hockey, watched a lot of old hockey too. His shot is honestly like a laser gun; it's unbelievable. And that, in a, yeah, that alone would make him amazing. But then on top of that, he's got that mean streak where he punishes everybody else after the fact too. So he's one of those guys where you hit him, better be prepared for the justice. It's like walking up to a gang in like a ghetto and jumping one of them. Be prepared for the other 14 <laughs> dudes that are coming out of the woodwork. With Ovi, it's the same thing. If you hit him, be prepared for the next hour where he's going to try and break your neck. Um, so I could see him being a fighter, a rugby player, an AFL player. He'd be amazing where he's... Slightly just running taller, through. slightly faster, but yeah, no one could tackle him. He just bulldozes his way through. Just bulldoze, but really still have that finesse, lacing yeah. out guys from 60. Yeah, like a Dusty. Mm. Same kind of thing. No one can tackle him. Move him anywhere in the field and he's dangerous. Um, is amazing in the midfield and then weirdly looks like the best forward in the comp when he rests forward. Like that'd be Ovechkin, hands down. It's a boss name too. Alexander Ovechkin, yeah, Alexander the Great. Mm. I think I saw the other day, actually, he was about, because their season got shortened, mm. he was about to equal or break the amount of consistent 50-goal seasons in a row. Is that sound about right? Yep. He's, at the rate he's going, he could probably end up with the most goals of all time, which is insane to think about beating Gretzky's record. Um. 
for anyone that knows, like ice hockey scoring, you've got goals and assists and your total points. Gretzky's got more assists than anyone else has points. Like, it's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Gretzky's like a cheat code. <laughs> He's like Giannis in 2K. Like, it's just unfair. That's just different. That's just different layer of being exceptional. Yeah. Just for like... Anyway, that's about all I've got time for today because I'm getting sick of talking. <laughs> yeah. I've run out of breath. I've got a stitch. Yeah, I'm getting pretty tired, so... Yeah, we're not athletes. <laughs> yeah, th- this whole act of talking to Courtney for 45 minutes <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> is quite tiresome, guys, so... Yeah, for those of you that don't know, yeah, we're friends, but we're not those kind of friends. Like we have, it's like a petrol tank of conversation. It empties out like a high-end sports car. The petrol tank lasts an hour max and then I have literally nothing left to say to you. Yeah, and even with fuel prices as they are, it doesn't really get any extra mileage out of the tank. No, not at all. Because I've got flat tyres. (laughs) (laughs) The engine's working harder. (laughs) Thanks again for that one, Cordo. Love that one. (laughs) Like you more than a friend, but I don't love you. <laughs> <laughs>